Hey, good morning. Can you guys see me on the screen? Oh, okay. Hold on. Hi, Heidi. I see you waving at me. Are you hearing me? Try it now. Yay! Isn't this crazy? <laughs> okay, kids, are you guys able to hear me? Okay, great. Well, I want to share with you a story real quick out of the Bible. And it's a story about Jesus when he was trying to teach the people all about what God wanted. And while he was teaching, this man came up to him and he said this. It's in the Bible. Let me read it to you. It said, Jesus, when, when Jesus was teaching in the temple, one of the leaders came up to him and asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the man who was from the leadership said, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all of our heart, with all of the understanding, with all the strength, to love one neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that this man had answered wisely, Jesus said to the leader, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. And see, Jesus was a pretty smart guy, wasn't he? Of course, he's God, so he's supposed to be smart. But one of the things that's really cool about this is Jesus gave us an easy way to love, I mean, easy way to show that we love God. And that's to always do the right thing. You know, in the Bible, it tells us whether you eat or whether you drink, or whatever you do, you need to always do it so that it pleases God, so that it gives God glory. And I want to ask you a couple questions. Can you still hear me? If you can, raise your hand. Okay, good. Because see, I can't hear you anymore. In order for me to be able to, for you to hear me, I can't hear you anymore. So this is what I want you to do. I need two adults to volunteer. There's a piece of paper. There are two pieces of paper up on the communion table. One has a happy face and one has a sad face. So can I get a couple of volunteers to go up to the table and grab one of the pieces of paper? All right. So who has the happy face? And who has the sad face? Okay. So kids, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I want you to go stand by the person that has the happy face or the sad face. If you think what I'm going to tell you is something that would make God happy or if it's what God would make, what would make God sad. Okay. So this is the first one. If your brother asked you 
if you would share with him the, the last cookie that you have in your hand and you say, okay, and you give the cookie to your brother, do you think that's something that would be ha- make God happy or make God sad? Go stand by the sign. Wow, you all think it would make God happy. Okay, stay right there. Go ahead and stay right there. Now, if you, if, if, if your brother said, I want that cookie and took it from you, would that make God happy or would that make God sad? Wow, you guys are pretty smart. Okay, if your mom said, yes, you can have one cookie and you took only one cookie, would that make God happy or make God sad? You weren't sure on that one, were you? (laughs) That's very cool. One last one. One last one. Say you are out in the store someplace and you see somebody who drops a $5 bill and you pick it up and you put it in your pocket. Would that make God happy or would that make God sad? Wow, you guys are great. Okay, everybody go ahead and sit down. Thank you so much for playing with me. That's the thing I want you guys to do every single time that you're doing things in your life, whether it is eating or drinking or or going out into the public world. I want you to always be thinking, will this make God happy or will this make God sad? Because the Bible wants us to love God with every part of our bodies, every part, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. And he wants us to always choose the things that will glorify God, the things that will make God happy. And I want to tell you one last thing before I pray with you. There is a guy that I'm going to be talking about in just a few minutes with your moms and dads. And I, his name is Josiah. And Josiah was one of the kings of Judah. And guess what? The Bible tells us that Josiah was eight years old when he became the king. How many of you guys are eight years old? We've got one. We've got two. Do you realize, Audrey, and what is the other person? I can't see their face. I... You, both of you are the same age as King Josiah was when he became the king for the very first time. Can you imagine being a king or a queen when you're your age? But you know what the Bible says about King Josiah? It says, King Josiah always did what was right in the eyes of God. He always chose the good things that would please God and bring glory to God. It says he did not turn to the right or to the left because he wanted to honor God with every part of his life. And that's what I want you guys to remember. Even as little kids, you guys can make choices that bring glory to God. So I want you to remember that wherever you go. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all so that it pleases God and brings him glory. Let's pray together. God, I ask that you bless these kids. I ask that you'd go with them now as they go into their own worship time. Help them, Father, to be respectful and to listen to their teachers and to hear clearly from your Holy Spirit, God, 
as we adults look at the word of God for ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, you guys can go back, and I don't know who you're going to be going with, but you can go ahead and go back to the children's area. Bye, Shane. See you later. This is so weird. (laughs) But it is the best that we can do at this time. So thank you guys for putting up with the technology stuff and for being part of this and and allowing us to process this way so that we can still have a worship service and that the word of God can still go out. Um, There's one of the things I wanted to share with you guys at the very beginning. Um, I was reared in a church that taught Jesus. From the very first days of my life, I was brought to church. I was baptized as an infant. Um, I went to church most of my, my life as a child. But it wasn't until I came into a vital relationship with God through Jesus Christ that I chose for myself because a friend of mine shared with me the gospel truth. It was at that point in my life that I started to actually get excited about the things of God and wanted to to honor God with everything that I had. I mean, I, I can't explain the difference. I just know that there was a significant difference in my life from the time that I was growing up and I just went to church and to the time that I got saved as a 16-year-old kid in high school. And all of a sudden it was like God was totally, totally absorbed with things of God. I mean, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to sing Christian songs. And and it's been pretty much that way the rest of my life. And I, I can't explain why. I just know that for me, the things of God are what I want in my life and how I, and I want to honor God with everything that I have. It's just something that's, that wells up for, within me. And <clears throat> through the years of, as I have prayed, I'm um, excuse me, as I have read the scriptures, one guy, every time I read his story, it just grips my heart. And that's this guy named Josiah that we talked about. So I want you to grab your Bibles if you have them. I want you to turn to Second Kings chapter 22. And I want you to keep your thumb there because we're going to be going back and forth in various parts of the Bible, but we'll be referring back to chapter 22 of Second Kings pretty regularly. So 2 Kings chapter 22 verses 1 through 8 says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, and the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the way of David his father, and he didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. This was a kid, a little kid that was walking as king, obviously, I would think that he had some good adults in his life who were guiding him. I can't imagine that an eight-year-old was making great governmental decisions without good adult counsel. But the reality was, that was who he was, and that was what he was doing. And the Bible literally says that he did good all the days of his life. God blessed him. God honored him. If you look to the next section of chapter 22, verses 3 through 7, it says, In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, the secretary, 
to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters and to the builders and the masons, and let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. So the king, as a young guy, I mean, he'd been he'd been a king now for 18 years, so he's now 18 plus 8, he's 26 years old. So he's now 26 years old, and God puts it in his heart that the temple is in disrepair, and it needs to be taken care of. And so Josiah says, look, we've got all this money that's been raised. Every time somebody comes through the doors of the temple, they throw money into the little, into the little, uh, the little trumpet-shaped uh, uh, offering section. So take that money and use that to, build, to rebuild and repair the temple. And so God put it on, their, on Josiah's heart to do that. And the thing that happens next is what grips me in this story. I want you to read chapter 22, verses 8 through 11 with me. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Listen to those words again. The high priest, the guy who leads worship in the temple, said to the secretary, the guy who's like second-hand man to the king, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And the high priest Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan the secretary, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Oh, and the high priest has given me this book that he found. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, for those of you who don't understand what that means, that is a, a, a sign of mourning, a sign of remorse, a sign of grief. What it is, is the king, when he heard the word of God, literally for the first time in his life. Did you hear this? This 26-year-old man who was king or was crowned king at the age of eight and who has ruled well from age eight to age 26 is now hearing the word of God for the very first time. And what does it do to his heart? It grips his heart to the point where he literally tears his clothes in mourning. Now, I want to share with you out of the book of Deuteronomy something that is just astounding to me. If you keep your fingers in chapter 22 of 2 Kings and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17, and we're looking at verses 14 through 20. Now, for those of you, again, who aren't familiar, Deuteronomy is one of the first five books of the Bible. It is the law. It is the book that that God said, Moses, write this down. This will be the law for the people. So when Hilkiah, the high priest, says he found the book of the law, this is what he found. The first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deut Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so 
they read these five books to Josiah, and this is one of the things that Josiah heard for the very first time. Chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like all the other nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excess silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of the kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life. Stop. Let's stop. 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 Let's go back. Verse 18. When the king sits on the throne of his kingdom, the king shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law. And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life. That wasn't happening. They had lost the book of the law in the temple, in the, in the whole mess of the temple. So Josiah, when he had gotten, became the king at age eight and has been re- reigning for 18 years, 18 years he has been in violation of this one law that he was supposed to have his own personal copy that he could read every single day and make notation in it and learn from it. Because it said, by keeping all these, uh, keeping the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted above, above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. Josiah hears this word, it grips his heart, he tears his clothes in mourning, and he continues to walk the path that God has for him. He applies the word of God to his life. Now, if you go to Josiah, I mean, 2 Kings chapter 23, we'll see what Josiah did. Now, we don't have time this morning to read that entire chapter. There's tons of stuff that Josiah did after hearing the word of God. Now, he had ruled, and the Bible says that he he was a good king. He did not do, he followed the, the, the life of David, but it wasn't until he intersected with the word of God that he finally began to do reform in the kingdom. And if you read all the way through 2 Kings chapter 23, it tells you all the things that he did. But I want to focus specifically on verses 21 through 25. It says, And the king commanded all the people, Keep the Passover to the Lord as your God. Excuse me, your God. As it is written in this book of the covenant, For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel or during all the days of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums, the necromancers, the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Still, 
the Lord didn't turn from burning from the burning of his great wrath by which his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations in which Manasseh, Josiah's father, had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah out of also out of my sight as I have removed Israel, and I will cast all this city that I have chosen Jerusalem and the house which I said my name shall be there. Now, what the, what happened in that situation was, if you read farther, you'll see, God said, Josiah, I see your heart. I see how you have, have, have humbled yourself before me. And so as a result, everything I've declared that's going to happen to the nation of Judah is not going to happen during your lifetime. You're going to live in peace. You're going to live in prosperity. I'm going to bless you. But the pronouncements of wrath are still coming, but just not in my day and not in your day. And so Josiah lived peaceably. Josiah led the people. He literally cleaned house, not just the temple. He literally went through the whole nation, tearing down anything that was not of God, honoring that word that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31, that says, whatever you drink, whether you eat, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Josiah was God, 100%. He was God's man. He did all that he could to bring honor and glory to God. He humbled himself. He'd been the king for 18 years, for heaven's sakes, but he humbled himself because he read the word of God and it convicted him. And he recognized that he needed to submit 100% to God. And God blessed him as a result. Now, if you look in the book of Acts, now we're moving into the New Testament. You're going to see a story in Acts chapter 19, and it's specifically found in verses 17 through 20. Um, Paul, the apostle, goes to Ephesus, and he goes there and ends up spending a number of years there, preaching the word of God, building up the church in Ephesus. And it says in Acts chapter 19, let me pull it up real quick, verses 17 through 20. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell on them all. Now, what was that talking about? Well, if you go back a little bit, you'll see that God was blessing Paul's ministry in Ephesus such that literally people were coming, were having miracles done at the hand of Paul. And there were these seven guys who were the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva who tried to imitate what Paul was doing, and they were trying to exercise a demon out of a person who was demon-possessed. In verses 17, 15, it says, The evil spirit answered the seven sons of Sceva and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man who in whom was the evil spirit leapt on these seven men, mastered them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And then it says, and this event became known among all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Verse 18, also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. 19, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and they found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Again, this is a situation where the word of God is preached to the people of Ephesus. Because if you go into the very first part of that chapter, it says, Paul got there and he says, 
you were baptized? And they said, well, yeah, John Baptist, John's baptism. He said, well, that's a baptism of repentance. But have you heard about Jesus? And like, we have never heard about Jesus. So he preaches to them the gospel. The gospel changes their hearts. And literally, there's this incredible revival goes on. Healings are taking place. Miraculous things are taking place. And then finally, people's hearts are so changed. And they are so on fire for God that they literally burn $50,000 worth of, of things that were no, that weren't that weren't bringing glory to God, but that were part of their old life. So it's the same idea that Josiah has. The word of God comes in, they get convicted, and they want to break free of anything that's not of God, to the point of literally destroying it, which is exactly what Josiah did. Now let me share with you a movie I watched yesterday. As uh, Roy told you, I've been kind of sitting in the house because... I can't go anywhere right now because of this lovely COVID garbage. But there was a movie. I've heard of this movie before, but I've never, ever, ever watched it. It was produced in 1960. It's a movie called Inherit the Wind. The movie was produced by Hollywood. It was about a real event that happened in our nation's history. It, the nation's, the actual event took place in 1925. And it was dealing with what was called popularly the Scopes Monkey Trial. And if, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, basically what this is, is that there was a man who was teaching in a high school classroom about Darwin's theory of evolution. And in that particular state, they had passed a law that said you could not teach anything that violates the story of creation from the Bible. And as a result, this man who was teaching this, the, the theory of evolution got brought to court. He was arrested for violating the law. He was brought to court and it became a nationwide thing where people were watching the, the results of this of this trial. And it was very, very, uh, very, very um, uh, prominent in the newspapers. And, and it was captured across the nation. Everyone was watching it. The end result was that 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 uh, he was convicted because he was, I mean, he, he had violated the law, but that was, that's not the point of this story that I want to share with you. In the middle of one of the conversations between the two lawyers, one of the lawyers quotes Proverbs 11.29, and he says, Proverbs 11.29 is, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. And the movie was titled Inherit the Wind. And then Proverbs 11.29 talks about when somebody troubles their own household, they will inherit the wind. So I wanted to look at that a little bit. And I realized as I was reading that, meditating on that, and then thinking about that movie, there was a scene in the movie. Now, again, this is Hollywood, and this didn't happen in real life, but this was part of the storyline of the movie. The movie showed the entire town singing hymns and singing praises to the guy who was coming to prosecute this teacher. And they literally, it was like the entire town was in an uproar, in a fervor over wanting to do what's honoring and righteous. And the preacher of that town, his name was Reverend Brown in the movie. I don't know what the real preacher's name was. In the, in the movie, Reverend Brown calls for a town prayer meeting to be held in the public square. And when that town meeting is going on, he begins preaching and he gets so excited in his fervor about honoring God and doing what's right that he literally, literally 
condemns his own daughter to hell. Why? Because his own daughter is engaged to be married to the man who's in jail, who was teaching this heretical teaching. And she refused to break off her relationship with the teacher. And as a result, her father literally publicly damned her to hell because he had to do what was right and honoring to God. And that really broke my heart because I see a man trying desperately to be a leader in his community that brings honor to God through all of his words, all of his public actions, all of his deeds, even to the point of disowning his own daughter. And I I thought about that. I mean, it's only been since yesterday, but I thought about that. And I was like, you know, Jesus did say stuff like that. He said, if, if you don't, if your love for me isn't, is, is, isn't so great that it's like hating everyone else, then you don't really love me. I mean, Jesus said that. I can show it to you in the Gospels. But I can also show you in the Gospel, in John chapter 8, the very first 11 verses of John chapter 8, a story where Jesus is in the temple. He's teaching. And the leaders of the community bring to him a woman who has been caught in adultery. And they throw her before him and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus very wisely looked at the men that were standing there and he said, you're right. The law says that she should be stoned. So I will ask you, let the one of you who is without sin be the first one to cast the stone. And then Jesus looked away and started writing, it says, in the dirt. And after a few moments, he looks up and the woman is the only one left standing there. And Jesus looks at her and says, where are your accusers? And she said, there aren't any left, God. Lord, they've all left me. And Jesus, Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. And then he says to her, Go and sin no more. He doesn't deny that she was sinning. He doesn't deny the law. But he shows love and compassion and gives her deeply intentional instruction to not continue in her life of sin. If you go back to the scriptures that Evelyn read just a few minutes ago at the beginning of our service. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I, I have all faith so that I can say to the mountains, Be removed! And they are removed. But I have not love. I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In the words of the, of the proverb writer, I inherit the wind. 
You see, it is important that we Christians honor God with all that we have, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. It is important that we know the word of God backwards, forwards, inside and out, can quote it so that whenever a situation comes, we can speak truth into people's lives. We need to do everything we can to bring honor and glory to God. We need to always choose, like I was sharing with the kids, always choose to do the things that would bring happiness to God and glory to God and never do the things that would bring sadness to God or or dishonor God. The challenge comes when you're trying to live such a holy life by following a set of rules and you forget the most important rule, love. Because if you don't love, you inherit the wind. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would please help each one of us to honor you with our lives. And I ask God that there would be an intentional fervor that, that wells up in our hearts because of our, of your presence in our life. And I pray God that we would know the word of God backwards, forwards, inside and out. And I pray that would be in, we would be on fire Christians for you. But God, never, ever, 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 ever let us put your law ahead of the love that we're supposed to have. Help us to find the way to honor the law with love. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.